Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hi, this is Jordan Moreno, and this is The Valley Now, your weekly feel-good hour where we lift each other up with the stories of good people doing good things in your neighborhood. Every week, we'll be talking with community leaders who have a unique passion for our thriving city and those that make the Valley such a special place to live. Get ready to be inspired by the work they're doing, whether it's mentoring our youth, providing a platform for those without one, or just driving those worthy charitable causes. Listen in on the conversations and join us in raising our community. This is our time to shine and this is the Valley Now. All right, welcome back to the show and I think today's topic will really resonate with the moms of young kids. I know it definitely resonated with me having two young children. Uh, Jacqueline Peterson, who also has two young children, is the CEO of Feeding Matters, which is the first organization in the world dedicated to advancing the system of health care for pediatric feeding disorder. Good morning. Good morning, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, uh, two young kids. So whether whatever your feeding journey looks like, I feel like you can kind of relate to our our issue, which is pediatric feeding disorder, which is when children aren't really eating what's typical for their age. Um, they may have trouble transitioning to solids. They may have severe allergies, or it may be so severe, or they may be so medically complex that they need a feeding tube for their nutrition. And so as an organization, we're here for families to support them so they're not alone in this journey. But we're also here to educate professionals because there's not a lot that's known about this and to raise awareness and build the advocacy so that it gets a little bit easier for families who are alone in this journey. And you have a wealth of knowledge, both on the nonprofit side, but also in navigating the healthcare side which is scary to me. And I want to dive into that. But first of all, the organization itself, how did it come to be? Yeah, our organization was founded um, here in Arizona, although we are a national organization with international reach. Our founder and really visionary, uh, Shannon Goldwater, had triplets and they were born four months premature. Um, And when, when your child is born premature, I think there's a lot of information flying at you. And Shannon experienced that same thing. 
she knew that she needed to expect and she was going to have a journey where she was taking care of her children and, and they were premature and needed that attention medically. But the thing that she wasn't prepared for was the intensity of and battle to try to get them to eat um, with three different children. They all had three different feeding journeys and and Shannon just didn't feel the best prepared to, to, to accomplish that with them. And so luckily enough, Shannon was able to kind of go across the country and try to get the help that they needed. But in doing that, it really brought the problem to the forefront that healthcare professionals are struggling too. There was no one paying attention to this issue. They weren't talking to one another. There was not a lot of research. And certainly because of all of that, there wasn't a lot of education for professionals. And so families were being left behind. And so Shannon and Bob founded Feeding Matters in 2006. I'm happy to report her triplets are now 21 years old mm -hmm. and um, they, they did have a feeding tube in their journey and, um, and, and all of them are now coming off their tubes or, or off their tubes. And so in that sense, it's a really great, um, story of how we got started. You know, families are at the heart of our organization. As much as we want to work on system stuff and advocacy and awareness, we will never leave families behind because they're our heartbeat. And for Shannon, what she realized is if people don't, realize this is an issue or they don't acknowledge it as an issue, it can easily be dismissed. How many families are going in to their pediatrician or telling their friends that my child's picky, you know, they're just picky. They're, 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 they're a picky eater. It's no problem. But in behind closed doors, mealtimes are incredibly stressful and they're trying to do everything they can to make sure their child is gaining weight or their child is, is having a good experience with food. And so that's what we're here for. We, uh, eight years ago or so created pediatric feeding disorder by bringing experts together from across the country. And then we advocated to the CDC to make this a diagnostic code. So now instead of it being picky eating or they just have feeding problems because they have a different diagnosis, it's truly pediatric feeding disorder. It's a very real condition. And now that it's named, now that it has a diagnostic code, we can now research it and we can teach it and raise awareness of it. And that it's not just picky eating. Yes. And I'm, I'm thinking about my own kind of personal experience with feeding young children. We are commiserating about our young children before we turn the mics on of like, it's tough in general. And so my, uh, my son had allergies all over the place out like, so as a, and he was my first, so it's scary to navigate. You don't know what to expect, but he was spitting up, you know, as an infant, every, I felt it was as much as he was eating. He would spit it back up and always crying, always felt so uncomfortable. And I went to a regular doctor and they were like, you know, he he must just have reflux. And then it was beyond that. And it was beyond that, you know, kind of that that dismissing that you talked about. And they, he, I think he has reflux. So then we put him on a reflux medicine and it's still not working. And it's, and then he, it gets worse and he's so upset. And, you know, the the bodily functions just, I was like, that mama instinct kicked in. And I was like, something is beyond this. It, it This Good is for you. not right. Yep. Uh, and turned out he had to go on the, um, 
the Alimentum formula, yep. but severe uh, cow protein allergy, egg allergy. And here I am shoving it down his throat. Every three hours, I felt so bad once know. I finally figured it out, but mm-hmm. you don't know. Mm-hmm. And then my daughter uh, was in the NICU. And again, something that she was two months uh, preemie and they called her a feeder grower. So she had the feeding tube. Uh, but I feel like we're still experiencing, she'll move the nipple around in her mouth. You know, she's she's not on a feeding tube anymore. She's bottle fed, growing like crazy. Of, of course, she's been home for a bit, but I feel like I still see a little bit of that um, navigating. And, you know, in the NICU, they didn't really tell me much about it. And they didn't really say this might be something that continues on. And again, it's that navigation of kind of being alone. I'm so happy that that Feeding Matters is here to wrap their arms around families that my cases are, are not severe whatsoever, but there are much more severe cases. And what are some of those statistics um, in, in terms of it's kind of this hidden thing? How many families are affected? Um, Well, first of all, Jordan, I don't minimize your experience because it is very challenging and it's very hard and very isolating. Um, More than one in 37 children under the age of five across the United States have pediatric feeding disorder each year. That number increases for children that are on Medicaid insurance in Arizona. It's one in 24 for children with a chronic health condition. It's three in five. And so this is a hugely prevalent issue. It's more common than cerebral palsy. It's more common than autism, but people just don't know. And your story really speaks to how much further we have to go in raising awareness of this condition. Pediatric feeding disorder has been a standalone condition, a diagnosis for two years now. Um, And so it's still young and the field is still emerging. Um, But that's why it's just so important that we're raising awareness because in, in situations like yours, you as mom have to be mom and you need to be able to share with your pediatrician or your doctor that something is going on and this is not just regular spit up. It's more than that. And yeah, it may be reflux, but how about we get to the root cause of it? Because any disruption in our feeding journey, it takes anybody three to seven years to learn to eat. And so if there is any disruption along that journey, or if we start to have a negative experience with it, whether we're an infant or a toddler, then it creates this this barrier and it it gets that much harder for us to have that good experience and feel good about mealtimes. Um, and so your story actually is a little bit similar to mine in the sense that for my second, so I, I have two children, one is four and his feeding journey really taught me that as parents, we are being thrown information like crazy. We get the handouts from our pediatrician <laughs> that's like, yeah, start solids this way or they're they're eating, right? Um, and then we get social media that's telling us all of these other things. And it's really hard for us to navigate what what do we need to do and how do we need to feed our kids? And, you know, it's sometimes conflicting advice between what pediatricians are telling us and what social media is telling us. And so he really taught me that as a society, we don't necessarily know that much about typical feeding development. We don't know what it should look like for an eight month old to eat. Kind of scary. It's very scary. And you've got this person that's looking at you and you're in charge of, and you're still (laughs) brand new. Um, And so he really taught me that if we're going to be able to advocate for pediatric feeding disorder, we need to be able to show what typical feeding looks like and help families understand typical feeding development. 
And then George, my second, who actually just turned a year, had a very similar story to your firstborn in the sense that he was it felt like he was vomiting all over me mm-hmm. all the time. He was he wasn't he wasn't going to the bathroom and and I kept trying to say something. And it was like, well, yeah, kids spit up. It's like, mm-hmm. It felt like he was spitting up everything he was taking in. Yes, the exact um, cow's milk protein allergy and allergies. And so we're trying to go through through some of that stuff right now. Um, Mm -hmm. But luckily, I feel grateful in the sense that I have been at Feeding Matters for over 10 years. And so I have the experience to be able to advocate for him and, um, and, and try to catch things early and make sure he continues to have that good relationship. Because while all these medical things may be going on, we don't want to lose our relationship with our feeding and our eating experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it just, it goes to show that we need to raise awareness and this issue is just way more prevalent. And so we know that families are just struggling and they're struggling silently. And so for us, it's important that we're there for the families, but we also push society to, to say like, sh- stop dismissing families that are saying that something is wrong because something really is, we need to listen to our families. And for anyone out there that's listening, that it, it may be, is in the middle of this journey, or maybe even remembers this journey and their kids are a little bit older, please know we're here for you. And you're not alone. And I say that to you personally, too. You know, we're, you're not alone. You can always call us. Um, we have a family support program at Feeding Matters where families can call or email us. And we're able to walk you through your journey. We're able to help you find resources, give you information about this, because it's it's a lot. Um, and we, t- we take our time in, in working with you. But making sure that you're just not alone, because I think, and I've experienced this too, we have families that have well-meaning advice. Um, You've got grandparents or you've got uh, uh, just friends who like have their own experiences and they're like, oh yeah, feed them chocolate. That'll get them to eat or, um, (laughs) you know, all of the different, like what, just well-meaning advice. Um, so much of it across the board and it all contradicts. Yeah, that's just a parenting, relatable parenting thing too. (laughs) But um, if, if, if the advice is, it's well-meaning, but if it's not coming from a place where you've experienced it, it is really hard um, to understand. And so not only is the awareness important to earlier identify this issue, but it's also important so that friends and family members that don't necessarily have that direct relationship have an understanding of what you're going through. And so please, anyone listening, call us. Yeah. What do you hear from families when they first come to you? Is it similar stories or or they just are looking for someone to hear them, you know, beyond a medical professional? Or what do you hear from families when they first come seeking your help? Honestly, what we hear from families is really diverse. Families most frequently, honestly, are calling us at their lowest. They've exasperated all of the resources in their life. They've talked to their pediatrician, they're not feeling heard. Or they have talked to their friend who has this friend, or they've tried to seek a second opinion, or they've looked online, um, maybe have found us in that way. And so when families call us, they finally feel heard. And they feel like they can have a name for this. Um, We recently were able to grant out a few um, scholarships through our family financial assistance program to some families who are working on treating pediatric feeding disorder with their children. And I was um, just reading the story before this that, you know, they knew something was wrong. 
they continue to try to push and, and find something. And then once they found us on the internet, they realized this, it's not just picky eating. It's not just like they've got food aversions. This is pediatric feeding disorder. And there's so much value in being seen and being able to have a name for something that you thought was being dismissed. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the value of our support is we see you, we're here with you. Um, and, but pediatric feeding disorder looks different for so many different families, uh, you know, for your and my story that that's more on the mild side of pediatric feeding disorder, that's, that's its own journey. But if you've got a child who's developmentally delayed or a medically complex child and a child that maybe needs a feeding tube, that's a, a completely different story. And there, there are different treatments and different interventions that we need to do um, to make sure their relationship stays intact. And, and honestly, all of it comes down to early identification. The earlier we can identify if there is allergies or, you know, if there is something that's, that's a challenge with their mouth and how they're, they're taking the bottle. If we can get that earlier, we can help prevent some of the long-term consequences. Cause the hardest stories that we have are when we have eight-year-olds, 10, 11, 12-year-olds call us and mom or dad knew something was going wrong and they tried. And so then they just realized that their child was a picky eater, but then they're 10, 11 or 12 and finding out about pediatric feeding disorder and then starting to think back on mm -hmm. their feeding journey and everything that happened. And it's not their fault. They should have had a partner in the healthcare system to help them identify. But honestly, because it's still so new, it's hard to find that too. Yeah. And navigating insurance. So just, just navigation of the medical field alone, there's so much to it. But I was reading that now that you have the code for it, uh, parents and families can apply, you know, the insurance to help cover part of this. How does that work or what does that look like? Yeah. So we're is there a line in the sand of this is picky eating and this is, you know, feeding disorder or, or <laughs> That's something we are still working on because it's still <laughs> very challenging because every toddler does have a picky eating face that yeah. it's, it's, My kid doesn't very, it's very real thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are still trying to work on like the best ways to identify that. I think that the biggest indicator is if there's been a history of, of challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, so from an insurance perspective, having the code will make a significant difference. It already has for some families, but there's a lot more that we need to do to help insurance companies be aware of pediatric feeding disorder and all of the different challenges. So the way we define pediatric feeding disorder, besides someone that's not eating appropriate for their age, is it's involving four different domains. So there is a medical domain. So if something's medically wrong, then then they would qualify for pediatric feeding disorder. If there is something nutritionally wrong, like they're only eating beige foods, they're not getting all of their micro and macronutrients. And so then we need to kind of look at that. If there's a feeding skill problem in the feeding skill domain, so can they chew? Can they swallow? Can they take things in their mouth? Um, any disruption in that qualifies for PFD. And then psychosocially, so any disruption in terms of the anxiety they feel around food or the interaction with their parent during mealtimes, how are they showing up to the table, any disruption in that would qualify them for PFD. And so from an insurance perspective, they're, they still need to know that that's what PFD is, that there is that interaction. And we need to identify 
is are there allergies that haven't been identified yet? And that's why they're not eating because even if we go down the, the road of doing feeding therapy and the insurance company is paying for it, we need to know if there's an allergy present or if there's some other medical issue present um, or else it's not going to do as much good. So we really look at our insurance companies as partners in this to, to help with that early identification, the awareness building and everything, but it doesn't change what's happening directly for families. It can be very challenging sometimes to navigate the healthcare system in general, and then the insurance system. And so as an advocacy organization, we try to not only through our family support services offer that that listening ear and and empowering families, but we also have different tools and templates on our website that will help families if they do have an insurance company that isn't really aware of PFD and needs that appeal. We have like a template insurance appeal letter, or they need a referral to like a GI. Um, we have some of those templates available on our website at feedingmatters.org. And what are some of the treatments that you you kind of mentioned? There's a feeding treatment, or if you need to test out for allergies, what are some of the treatments that maybe a family comes to you and they're kind of working through the program, if you will? Not all of the cases can be grown out of, um, but what can you kind of do to minimize that for maybe some of the more severe cases? Yeah, what we try to do when we talk with families, and it's also something that's available on our website too, uh, we have a family guide and it's basically our 101 for families new to this experience and or families who just found us, even if they're not new to their experience. And there are a multitude of tests that it, that families might possibly go into. Um, certainly allergy testing is one that we talk about a lot. Another one that we talk about a lot is like a swallow study to make sure the swallowing function is okay. Sometimes there are children that may be silently aspirating, Mm -hmm. um, which is when a child is drinking and, and fluid is spilling into their lungs. It's very Um, sad. I'm just like so sad for these kids because eating is such an enjoyable experience. So I'm sorry. Sorry. No, it really is. And that's, a silent aspiration is a very challenging thing because I think, as you know, with a, a new one, you're going to the doctor all the time, you're weighing all the time. And so if a child is constipated or silently aspirating, and those are both reasons why we need to look at something further, they're still gaining weight mm-hmm. um, or it looks like they're gaining weight, but it's false weight. And so that's why it's so important for not only the healthcare system to know about PFD, But also if families need to advocate for themselves and say, can we look at why this is happening? Um, Or if food is spilling out of their mouth, there's different evaluations that are done by multiple disciplines. So from the feeding skill perspective, there is the the feeding therapy and it it varies in intensity, as you were saying, kind of there's mild and moderate and more severe cases. Um, So some feeding therapy is done through like an early intervention program. Some feeding therapy is done just like outpatient, maybe once a week or less frequently. And then it escalates up from there um, into there. There are uh, most often it's hospitals, but there are situations where there's intensive feeding therapy where it's um, really focusing on either getting off a tube or making sure that we feel better about mealtimes. So it kind of, depends. And because PFD is so heterogeneous, it really looks different for every family. Um, and they, they, they navigated in partnership with us. They navigated in partnership with often the professionals that they found that listened to them. 
um, because unlike when you go to physical therapy and you're working on your leg, you get to choose when you go there. The feeding is happening five times a day or more for some families. And so you can't get a rafe. Oh, you can't can't take a vacation from it. It's something that's always in front of you. Mm -hmm. And I saw on your website too, sometimes it is round the clock. It's round the clock working on feeding and just the exhaustion for parents. It's a lot. It is a lot. And as a new parent, you get it. Like you're up like throughout the night anyways. (laughs) And so it's hard for you as a parent to know what you're like, what is this, what's supposed to happen? Mm -hmm. So like, even for me, I had a lot of awareness of PFD, but I didn't, for whatever reason, I was like, yeah, it's fine. We have to be up. You know, we have to sit up because he has to throw up two times. And then we got to walk around because he's in pain (laughs) for two hours and then he'll go to sleep. And it's and like, that's, that's, not normal. That's, that's normal. Nothing's wrong, but something was wrong. He was, he was allergic to what I was giving him. Um, burp cloths that were constantly soaked. Like after every feeding, the burp cloth would have to be, we'd have to get a new one. Cause it was completely soaked. I'm like, what is he getting? Is he getting any nutrition? So no, get it. No, that's, and that's not regular spit up. No. And so it's- <laughs> <laughs> what first brought you to feeding matters? Because that happened before you had children. So what is kind of your story and your background with all of it? Yeah, it's really an interesting one now knowing that I have a child that has kind of a mild PFD. Yeah. Um, but uh, my background is in nonprofit leadership and management and healthcare innovation and systems practice. So I'm really passionate about how can we change a system? How can we impact populations of children? And I used to really believe that you can change a a person, one person at a time. And I still believe that, but I think for me and where I want to spend my time in my career, I I love looking at that system level and that policy Mm -hmm. level. And so uh, my, my career has always kind of been focused on children. I I started in parks and rec. I like, I, I worked at a nonprofit for child abuse and prevention and I found feeding matters and I didn't know anything about it. And then I started as the volunteer and grant coordinator. So I was the one who families were calling. I was matching them with other families who needed their support. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a sink or swim moment in terms of learning about this issue and building that empathy for what families are going through. At the time, I was single, unmarried, and I didn't even know what the future held for me, didn't even know that this position was a thing for me in the future. And I just fell in love with our mission. I fell in love with everything that we're trying to do. Um, I was in awe at what families are doing to keep their children thriving. And there, the, there's just such a challenge at this organization to change something that the whole world has a misconception on. And that is really attractive to me as well. And so over time, I just learned more and built more and I was able to grow our programs. And I was a, um, a key piece with, with our founder and our previous CEO in creating pediatric feeding disorder as a standalone diagnosis and building the the plan around how we would even change um, everyone's perspective on that. And then during COVID, I came into this position. Our former CEO had to had to had to leave, and it was again a sink or swim moment of being in charge of an organization during COVID. And oh my gosh! And and I had a new seven month old at the time. Welcome, Um, just jump right in. No big deal. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I learn best, I guess. Um, But. I am incredibly passionate about this organization and just all that we can do for families and professionals. 
And you're a perfect person to be at the helm. And I personally feel like I've known you for longer than 37 minutes. So you're very knowledgeable, but you put it in a way that I don't feel stupid asking the questions. Like you're very warm. And so you're a perfect person for the job and you're doing a fantastic job with amazing work. There's a lot of good stuff here. So thank you for that. Thank you, Jordan, so much. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there really are like, this is a new issue. So everyone can ask any question and that's just a huge compliment. So thank you. Yeah. Well, what's on the horizon for you before we wrap up? I feel like we could go hours, but... <laughs> <laughs> What's on the horizon for the organization as we look toward 2024? So we have big plans for 2024. Um, yeah, we are just really excited about what we get to do for professionals, for families. We um, will continue to grow our family support program. So um, our hotline, our family support effort, our family financial assistance program. But we're also able to start doing some other things for families. So a lot of families right now are sitting on wait lists um, to access the care, to start feeding therapy, start treatment. So we are going to be diving a little bit deeper into the system here in Arizona to try to figure out if there's something that we can do to help support families on the wait list. So is there a readiness? Can they be ready to, to jump into this? Because families have to be ready to do feeding therapy. It's a yeah. really intensive experience, no matter if you're on the mild end of feeding therapy or you're in an intensive program. And so we want to learn from families and best support them as they prepare for that type of treatment. The other things that we're doing here in Arizona include really looking at um, how can we better screen children with PFD. We did a pilot project last year, well, this year, I guess, a pilot project this year where we were able to screen 121 children for PFD. And so it really taught us a lot about some of the barriers that exist in the system for screening. And so we want to dive a little bit deeper in that and really figure out how, if I'm going to the doctor every two weeks, every month, I'm not being screened for PFD. And so, um, that's some of the things that we've got on the horizon, as well as continuing to build awareness. Um, we'll have more storytelling. I think for us, storytelling is how we get the story of PFD out there. Every family yes. is facing something different. And so we need to share our family stories and we share them ethically. But it's so important to us to make sure that we share our family stories. Absolutely. And to not feel alone. You know, I already am like, okay, maybe I should look into this. Maybe I should look into what else I can be doing to help support Camila as she grows. And, you know, maybe it's just uncoordinated feeding right now, but who knows, you know, how I could be one of those that mitigates it before it becomes an issue. So yeah, I really, really appreciate the work. And I didn't even know I would resonate so much with it coming into this. So thank you. It's just the value of awareness. Yeah, no yep. problem. And we do, we see families, they kind of figure it out. They get things figured out until the until their their son or daughter turns one. And as, as a new mom of a one-year-old with a child with PFD, I'm now looking at a new horizon of coming off the formula, the hyperallergenic formula, coming yes. off the bottles and what that looks like. <laughs> Very expensive. Um, yeah, so we are here no matter where you're at in your journey. And I really appreciate you helping us raise awareness. Yeah, absolutely. So feedingmatters.org is feedingmatters.org. Or I think one of the easiest things to do is probably follow us on Instagram at feedingmatters. 
Um, okay. That's that I think is the easiest because you can DM us, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You're very easy to get to. I like that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and spreading the good word. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jordan. All right. I want to give a very special thank you to my guests today. And I want to thank you for being a part of the program and making our community an amazing place, not just to live and to work, but most importantly, to play. You can hear The Valley Now on the radio with audio on demand on radio station websites and the Odyssey app. My name is Jordan Moreno. Shine your light, share your love, and join us again next week right here on The Valley Now. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.